0: Welcome. I'm Kevin Harper, your host for this episode of Engaging the Generations, a podcast of ElderQuest Ministries dedicated to conversations about cultivating mutually honoring and meaningful intergenerational relationships. In our last episode, we were talking with Sherry Schumann, Deb Haddix, and Bev Phillips, all women with the Christian Grandparenting Network, about the subject of building strong intergenerational relationships in our own families, parents with grandparents, and grandparents with their grandchildren. Join me now as I continue this conversation with these extraordinary women, all grandmothers, and explore ways to stay intentionally engaged with our grandchildren at whatever age. So we had a great conversation talking about some of the ways in which you say, grandparents stay connected, find ways to build these relationships. Even if they don't live nearby, you can do this. How how would you encourage grandparents to be much more intentional in those relationships with their grandchildren? Um, And and especially considering what uh, different stages of life those kids are. I mean, it's one thing to have a relationship with a preschool child. Um, You can do all kinds of fun little things like that, but those same Things that you do with that preschool child, you wouldn't do with an adult's grandchild. So what are the differences? How can we be intentional at the different stages of life?
1: Before we open it up to examples of how to be intentional at the different stages, can I just insert this little parenthetical? It's easy for us to hear and be challenged by a message like, I want to be an intentional grandparent. But then we go home and we get caught up in the everyday busyness of life. And the next thing we know, six months, three years have gone by and it made no difference. We didn't take any action. So before talking the nitty gritty, one of the suggestions that I like to share when I'm working with a group of grandparents is make that commitment, do this, but not just in your head, write it out because writing things out brings a little more reality and accountability to it because now it's on ink and ink on paper. And then go that extra mile, if you're truly serious about this, and share that commitment with another person. If your spouse is a believing grandparent, share it with your spouse. If not, find another trusted friend to share it with, which adds just that extra element of accountability. And and start with that step before you start with, I want to do this with my five-year-old or I want to do this with my seven-year-old, just to kind of make it real.
0: And that's a great suggestion, Debbie. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I think uh, also we need to understand is this is something God wants us to do. So let's make sure we're clear about what God says about our role as grandparents, how, what he says it means to be intentional. Um, Sherry, you mentioned in our last session about the three-legged stool, uh, sharing our faith, prayer, the blessing. Um, God's given us... A couple of very specific commands, hasn't he, concerning what our intentionality should be about.
2: You know, when it comes to sharing your faith story, a number of times when I speak with grandparents, um, they don't think they have a story to tell. And one of my favorite exercises is to have them take a sheet of paper long ways, draw a line across it. And I instruct them that they're going to develop their own spiritual timeline. So on the far left, they write, God loved me before he began the world. On the far right, they write eternity. And then I encourage them to begin plugging in the milestones, such as their birth, their their baptism, confirmation, high school graduation, marriage, when they held their first child, etc. Then the next thing I encourage them to do is to plug in examples of people who influenced their faith when they were children, people who influenced their faith when they were adults. We add life's lessons all on this spiritual timeline moments closest to Christ their salvation story and what ends up happening is they see they they have a ton of stories to share and so I encourage them to start thinking what might God, want you to share with your grandchildren. You don't share it all at one time. In fact, I encourage them to pray, Lord, just open an opportunity to share something with my grandchildren, whether we're there in person or it's in a letter, or if it's possibly on FaceTime and you're using technology to reach across the miles so i think that intentionality which deb so wisely brought up we need to begin thinking about that story that we have to tell
0: and that's the that's a critical piece of the intentionality god calls us to and mandates for us to tell the next generation and to teach as well. I mean, not only tell them but to teach by by the way we live but also the words that we speak. Those are two very critical things that we must do. Um and by the way that that doesn't mean that we're preaching at them, does it? It, it means that we're just simply like you say telling the story and uh letting them know that there's a reality that exists that God created and we want them to understand in wisdom what that looks like. So how do let's go let's go back now to building those relationships. We've got to be intentional about telling them no matter where they are in, in their stage of life. We, we want to tell the story. But what about the intentionality of build, building those relationships and connections with our grandchildren at different stages of life? When my grandchildren first arrived on the scene, we were all excited. And we had all these things that we would do with our grandchildren and planned. But when they became teenagers and adults, it was a totally different program. And we found that we didn't do a very good job of intentionally preparing ourselves for those stages and knowing what to do. So what would you say to grandparents as they as they think about their grandchildren at different stages of life?
3: I think one of the things I I agree with you, Kevin, I I think we're still working on that, (laughs) trying to figure out it's it's so much easier when they're younger. Um, But I think things like um, attending events making sure that you, even though it may not be very fun to sit through another piano recital, (laughs) you know, or to watch another wrestling tournament. um, Those might not be your favorite thing to do. Uh, You might've had other things that you would much be in preference of, but um, that we are relinquishing our own convenience. We're relinquishing our own personal comfort and time. And we are giving that to them as a love gift. And so to participate As we can and as we are have opportunity in their in their everyday life, Um, sometimes it's not just the the preaching; it's the it's the gift of our presence, not gifts of items, but the gifts of our personal presence means a lot when they know that you're you're going to show up or you're going to remember. If you're a ways away, we have a son who's in wrestling in high school in another state. Um, When we see pictures of that that his father has put up or sent us notices about it, I'd send him a text. Good job. Great job. Wow. That's great. You know, or you're, you're looking really strong. Those kinds of things. So I think to um, essentially it's to love on them and um, and be available so that they know that you're a safe place. And sometimes we need to just be available and let them know that we're available rather than being as didactic in our teaching as we may have been earlier when they're preschoolers and we're reading them little Jesus Bible storybooks kind of a thing. Um, The other thing that comes to mind, and again, I go back to Psalm 145, where it talks about us as as, um, another older generation, we're not just to tell them about God, but we're to ourselves meditate on God's words. Let them see you having a commitment to God in faith in your own life. And it says, celebrate God's abundant goodness and joyfully sing of God's righteousness. So be joyful, have a joyful life, a joyful model of a faith-filled life, and let them see that. To me, that speaks a lot.
0: I remember attending the memorial service, and I'm sure some of you have heard this story of a dear friend of mine many years ago who was a mentor and he was my my pastor, but uh, he loved the Lord and boy, he just radiated Jesus in every way. But I remember his memorial service, his grandkids getting up and talking about poppies, they called him poppies, uh, and the impact that he had on their lives. And, and finally, one, one of the grandchildren, one of the older girls, said, well, I think I could summarize everything that we were all trying to say about poppies. And it's this, that poppies smelled like Jesus. And because he mm-hmm. smelled like Jesus, we want to smell like him too. Mm-hmm. So I think that's kind of what you're saying here, Bev. It's taking those steps to say, let's just be the hands and feet of Jesus, whatever yeah. that looks like, mm-hmm. uh, how we pray for them. I I, I want my grandchildren to know we're praying for them. And so they know that we have a specific day that they're assigned, that they know for sure we're praying for them that day. That doesn't mean it's the only day we're praying for them, but we know, they know that day is their day.
1: Well, you mentioned having days to pray for them. And we're talking about teen um, grandchildren. We'll often, even though they know their day, we'll often just send them a text just to remind them, I prayed for you today. Or ask what their prayer requests are. The day before so that there's that connection and that reminder, that consistent reminder. Yes, we're still praying for you and we care about what's important to you.
2: Yeah,
3: I think one of the hardest things that I have found uh, with teens and young adult grandchildren is to treat them the way God treats me. In other words, allow them to be different, allow them to be candid and honest about what they're thinking. Yeah. um, To make mistakes. To uh, to treat. So when they show up with purple hair or, you know, a a strange makeup or strange clothing that would not have been what I would have allowed my children to wear um, those kinds of things to swallow hard and show grace and love and and not be judgmental. It's such a trap that we often fall into. And 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 it is because we care about them. It's motivated by deep care and love for them, but um, it doesn't communicate that if we comment on it or if they even feel it through our facial expressions or our body language. We have to work really hard. It is hard to be a grace-filled grandparent or parent, and uh, God can give us the strength to do that, but I think we need to be conscious of it
2: and intentional about it. You know, Kevin, I I am a young grandparent, and I'm not talking about my age. I'm talking about the age of my grandchildren. Um, We have seven grandchildren, but their age is eight and younger. So I look to these wonderful ladies, my dearest friends, for examples of what am i going to do when my grandparents my grandchildren become teenagers i'm still at this stage where grandma's wonderful um <laughs> i wanted to share with you something i learned from another dear friend she also has seven grandchildren and she has committed herself to on the day that she prays for that grandchild she actually writes a prayer. Each of her seven grandchildren have a notebook and she writes a prayer. She's very specific about including scripture in the prayer. So at this point, um, she has filled three notebooks for all seven grandchildren. The notebooks are 180 pages. So you can see. But what is amazing, and she hasn't decided when she's going to give her grandchildren these notebooks, whether it's their high school graduation or when they get married or whenever. But the beautiful thing is she... Has not only modeled Christ for years, but she's leaving them a written legacy about God, about his love for them and about her love for them and that commitment of time to sit and write out prayers every day for her grandchildren.
3: You know what? I w- That's beautiful, Sherry, but I'm going to present a different side. I have 14 grandchildren. I'm doing well to pray for each one of them. (laughs) And so, even though I think that message of that grandmother is beautiful and it may really hit the spot for some grandmothers or grandfathers who are listening, um, or parents, parents could do the same thing. Um, But to know that when we hear all kinds of suggestions, and we're filling people's ears and minds with suggestions today, to know that. Go to God and ask, what is your assignment for me? What is it that you would have me do for my particular adult child or my particular grandchild? And he will lead you into what works for you, what fits with your giftedness, what will be meaningful to them. And if it's to fill up notebooks, hallelujah, go forth and do it. Um, But if it's not practical for you, but there's something else, then do that. Um, but and another thing I would think of is that hearing stories like that from one another, how meaningful that is. And so I would strongly encourage people to, as Debbie shared, find a trusted friend or one or two friends or a small group where you can find encouragement for one another. You can pray together. You can support one another because this is not a lone ranger of adventure. And um, sometimes they're single grandparents. They don't have a spouse or maybe they don't have a believing spouse. Find some other people to come alongside so that you're doing this together.
0: That's a really good word, too, Bev. Thanks for sharing that and and sharing the other stories. And it mm-hmm. is it's, it's saying, God, what what do you want me to do um, mm-hmm. because of who I am and, and the abilities that I have Yeah. in the time that we have left? I want to just kind of address one little subject that often doesn't get discussed, and that is the idea of surrogate grandparenting. You know, we are all part of not just biological families, but a spiritual family as well. We're part of the church, the body of Christ. And I know sometimes there are people in our congregations who just don't have grandparents in their lives for one reason or the other. Um, or who just there may be grandparents, but they're so far away. Like we have friends, their grandchildren live in England. You know, so they rarely get to spend that quality time with them. And I know I've had young parents who said, "Hey, do you know anybody in the church who'd be willing to be just a just a make believe grandparent to my grandchildren?" Um, But there's also besides that, there's just there are tons of kids in our churches, you know, grade school, teenagers, whatever, who probably would love to have someone who's just kind of that older Mm -hmm. relationship with them. Uh, But they they don't know how to start that. And I know probably our grandparents are listening, don't know how to start it either. But what would you say? What would you do to encourage grandparents, or let's just say older adults at this point, to be prayerful about, could I be a surrogate grandparent in my own church family?
2: Kevin, I think that's a powerful question. Last week, I had the joy of joining in with a a church that had VBS, only it was multi-generational. And at the end of the VBS, they actually linked kids either to their grandparents or surrogate grandparents. And the kids were detectives asking these grandparents, who is God to you? And it gave those grandparents um, the opportunity to share their story. I bring that up because one of the most remarkable relationships I watched was just that. It was a grandchild whose grandparents lived across the United States, and it was a surrogate grandfather who stepped in in that role. I, so I think, I think that is incredible. Um, one other thing I want to add is, Tony Souter has a Pray for Me campaign in which in churches he encourages the linking of three generations of adults to be linked with a single child, in which for a solid year they are praying. They're prayer warriors for that child. That's another great opportunity for surrogate grandparents to get involved with the child simply as their prayer partner
3: we've had that experience of um it happening rather organically and um where we've become friends um oh this was 20 years ago became friends with a young couple and uh, they were expecting their first child she ran into complications and had to be on bed rest and um And so after her child was born, uh, so I was visiting her at the hospital or bringing her food and, and we became close and now they have three children, their youngest now is in uh, high school, but we have been involved in those children's lives, we've, we've voluntarily babysat for them, we've attended things events that they did. Um, I've taken the young girls out for lunch. And just ask them how they're doing. And that's been such a blessing to us. And now we have a younger couple that we're doing this with. And and it just provides, I went to a kindergartner's graduation a couple of months ago. And then last week I took him out um, to breakfast as a celebration that he's going into first grade. And that was so fun. And to just be intentional about trying to find, uh, to hook up with some, a family or two in your in your church or someone, you know, um, and it helps if you have good relationship with their parents, of course. I mean, that generally is the starting place, I think, when you're doing it that way. But it's been such a blessing to us. And, and both of these families did not have local grandparents. And so we weren't taking the place of their grandparents. We were just sort of an add on an additional local. Uh, my husband is gone and helps them with the Grand Prix cars, you know, making the cars and going to the race that they have and that kind of thing. So just looking for opportunities to fill in.
0: Deb, any final thoughts on that?
3: Yeah, I think,
1: you know, all of these are are great and wonderful. But if it's a grandparent just kind of starting out, not sure where, I love this idea of, you know, look around your church, as Bev said, you know, look for those young families that don't have family close by. Um, as you said at the beginning, our culture now most of the time, families are not near their extended families for work reasons or whatever. They find themselves isolated from family and they could use that older, wiser person or couple to come in and help them. But it could even be as simple. I don't know about you, but I've looked around our church sometimes when there's the dinners after church or the big celebrations and it's like, the older generation is all sitting over here clustered together and the kids are all sitting over here clustered together and the parents are trying to get as far away from the kids as they can for a few minutes it's like stop and just look around and go over and sit with that little kid that doesn't have a friend sitting by him and just start a conversation up with him um that could lead to who knows what just showing an interest in them yeah
0: yeah, we don't want to make this so complicated that nobody would dare to even try to do it. It's, mm-hmm. it's just looking for opportunities. Again, mm-hmm. say Lord, help me become a friend to someone who needs to be a friend. I don't have to be even a grandparent uh, just to do that. Hey, thank you so much for your input and, and sharing these thoughts. Now, uh, for those who are listening, each of these ladies are also... Great speakers, and they have opportunities to come and share and speak on various different topics. Um, most of them related to grandparenting in some some way, but. Um, if you are interested in that, uh, Sherry, I would assume that could be all set up through the Christian Grandparenting Network. So give us, uh, what is the contact uh, for people to get, reach out to you at Christian Grandparenting Network?
2: The easiest thing would be is if they email to us at info, I-N-F-O, at christiangrandparenting.com. And then what I could do is if they want to contact Debbie, I would just forward it to her or contact Bev. I would forward it to her um, and then me, you would, I would get it.
0: And obviously your website is Christian so It is So lots of information there as well. Well, uh, what are some of the kinds of uh, speaking event like type of arrangements that you offer to people?
2: Beth, why don't you start? Oh well,
3: my husband Olin and I um, are certified presenters of the courageous grandparenting seminars and conferences through ElderQuest, um, and so we love doing that. We can share, um, you know, individual sessions or the entire thing. Um, we also do presentations on marriage, um, and then also I speak at women's retreats and women's events as well for women. So
2: Deb. And
1: Um, my husband and I do presentations on grandparenting, um, intergenerational. We start with the whole from generation to generation. Um, Sherry and I do an unleashing the power of prayer together. And then I also do some um, mostly on spiritual formation and soul care could be for women or grandparents. Um, Yeah, mostly grandparenting and soul care.
2: And then for me. One thing, Debbie and I have a grandparents gathering. It's an overnight um, for grandmothers, and it's awesome. And then I also do a teaching where I come alongside in a church and and do four talks. The first is casting the vision. Then the next three are actually that three-legged stool. One is on sharing faith story, one is on prayer, and one is on the blessing.
0: Well, there you have it. Please reach out to Christian Grandparenting Network if you have any questions or want to schedule a speaking event or just need to examine all the resources that are available to you as a grandparent. That's www.christiangrandparenting.com. I look forward to visiting with you again in our next episode of Engaging the Generations. I hope you'll invite a friend to listen with us. Until then, I'm Cavan Harper, encouraging you to be intentional and faithful in commending the mighty works of God and His truth to another generation. God bless.